Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Welcome to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm your host, Joe Velarde. I'm so excited today to have a good friend of mine, a mentor, a leader, a pastor, Mike Lynch. He's from North Star Church, and I'll introduce you to him in just a moment. Uh, but I wanted to remind you what we're doing with these current episodes with the Vision for the Valley podcast. We are going outside the Lehigh Valley uh, to hear voices who are leading through COVID-19. We want to get their perspective. And also, I want you to hear from people who have impacted and influenced me for the vision I have for the Valley. And then lastly, just the reality, I have a lot of questions about life and leadership. And I thought, man, you know what, why be selfish with this. So let's hit the record button and let others in to this conversation. And so I'm honored to have Mike Lynch on the podcast today. And, and Mike and I go way back. Uh, Mike and I met in 2000 and uh, he's uh, part of a church and has started the church um, called North Star Church in Kennesaw, Georgia. And you may be familiar with that, that name of the church uh, because I've had other people who, on the, on the podcast who've come from that church as well, but it's because of Mike's leadership in the church there, they really created a culture where you were for people and for the community and then has, have sent out uh, people like myself, uh, Russ Butcher, Roscoe Lilly, others. Um, and so through the years, Mike and I, have continued to do life together, stay in touch. Um, he's been a big encourager, even as I started out uh, Riverbend Community Church and continues to, to walk with us through this. So Mike, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself in North Star Church, my friend? Well, number one, it's an honor to be on here. Thanks a ton for asking it. To hear Joe, you know, you're Giuseppe to me. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta work on this, man. I gotta work on your real adult official name. But man, it's a joy to be on here. And I love, I love learners and you're a learner. Mm. And I think you and I are in the same boat on we're, we're in this journey, went and figured it all out. So let's just learn from as many people as possible. Uh, yeah. So I have been at North Star for 23 years going on 24, uh, this coming January, we started from scratch in 1997 mm -hmm. and, uh, been in ministry since June of 91, officially June of 91 when I got hired at my first church. Um, so yeah, been, in, been, a, I'm long in the tooth, man, been around <laughs> for a while now. And uh, I've married, my wife and I have been married 28 years. We have a 26-year-old son and just turned 26 and a 25-year-old daughter. I take the back, 26-year-old son and 23-year-old daughter. Mm -hmm. And my son is our high school pastor, actually, uh, at North Star. Mm -hmm. And my daughter serves at a great church over in Gwinnett County called 12 Stone. Mm -hmm. So she's on their residence, in their residence program, in their children's ministry and so we are, we are loving life right now. Loving life. That's awesome. Well, I wanted to ask you, Mike, so how old were you when you uh, started North Star? 28. Yeah. Okay. 28. Yep. That's I great. was in, I had, man, I was 28 and totally ignorant of risk. Absolutely <laughs> ignorant of risk. I didn't know what I didn't know. And we we're like, come on, let's do it. And I, we started it with a guy named Ike, who's a hero to you and I. And, yeah. and uh, I remember going, oh, what do we got to lose? Let's go. 
you know, but we were pregnant with Mary Michael. Um, you know, and I look back now going, what was I thinking? I was crazy. That was crazy. I left a great job at a great church. <laughs> Golly. So yeah, I was 28 years old when we cranked it up. Sure was. Yeah, well, man, I'm, I'm grateful that you uh, didn't know what you didn't know. Because <laughs> I've benefited from that. I mean, I didn't. At that point in time, and I think it's really important to, to know, I think uh, the idea of starting a, a new church from scratch was not a really common thing at that point in time. Um, no. And and without even me knowing it, it would lay out the foundation for what would go on to be Riverbend Community Church in the sense that I had church planning within me at such mm-hmm. a young age and then I had friends who would go on to plant churches, like, you know, Roscoe was 24. That's he right. was telling me when he went up to plant. And then, then Russ, you know, was a little older than 24. We won't, we won't give away his age <laughs> when he started the church. But that was, like, really right. in the DNA uh, without even us knowing it uh, at that point in time. And, and, you know, it was always, it's always stuck with me, even as we were, you know, doing different things. Like when I had my first job as a youth pastor, I was like, man, this is not like exactly what <laughs> like I, I thought or I had experienced and that doesn't make it necessarily bad. It just, what it would happen. I had such a high bar mm. as, a, as a 20 year old, 20 year old. Like I was at a, a church plant without me knowing exactly what that was at that point in time. And, and so you have a, a you said a son who's a, the high school pastor. How's that going for you guys? Yeah, you know what? It's, it's great. And, yeah. you know, number one, when he was growing up, I never dreamed he would do that. He was a great yeah. kid. I just yeah. didn't dream he'd do ministry. You know, but for kids that have grown up around it, so much of it's just innate. They, they've they seen it. Yeah. They've traveled with you. They've been in your car. They've been to a bazillion conferences just as a kid, listening, riding around, meeting people. And then all of a sudden, you, they think about doing ministry. God calls them. And you're like, where did you think of that from? And it, and part of it's just they've been around the game so long. And and for Ann and I, I know raising our kids, one we had two goals. One, we had two prayers. One, we wanted our kids to grow up and go, if they ever meet with a marriage counselor, when and if they get married, I want a marriage like my mom and dad. That was our number one prayer. Second prayer was I prayed they love the church. Mm-hmm. And you know as well as I do, there there are times that the church isn't lovable on the inside and you pull back the curtains and there's hard decisions and people get frustrated. I know it doesn't happen in Pennsylvania, but down in Georgia it does. And people get frustrated and they get upset with me or, but I wanted my kids to love the church Mm. and I knew they would love Jesus. I didn't worry about that a whole lot, Mm. but a lot of kids love Jesus, but hate the church growing up around it. And, um, that was big to us. So for me, in some ways, it just makes my heart, happy to know that you know god's using him in this season and using him in great ways so mm. it's it's really fun to watch and then during this crazy covid stuff we my daughter had to move home from yeah. Gwinnett which is across Atlanta mm-hmm. and uh, she's been working from here and walking by and hearing her on a zoom call with with uh, children's ministry stuff at her church mm-hmm. god just makes you so proud so yeah man it's it's uh it's pretty cool to see your kids. It's probably one of the most gratifying things I would yeah. say. Any tips around, uh, even as we think about, you know, in the church world, and I know we're, we're talking to all kinds of different leaders, but I, I think, you know, obviously it doesn't always look like 
uh, them doing what they're doing now yeah. as far as, you know, and, and I, I don't necessarily think you were like, Hey, I'm, this is my goal. <laughs> no, gosh, no. But, but any tips? I know you said prayer, but any tips around that? Man, I would just say, you know, I had a guy on my podcast, Dave Barnes. Dave's mm-hmm. a big music guy in Nashville and his dad was a pastor. And I asked him a question. I asked him that question. I said, so here you are. You're, you're a, you're a, a great artist, very well known. How did your dad, what'd your dad do right? What did he do that made you go, man, I love the church. I love Jesus and I love the church. And he said this, and, I, and it really stuck with me, Joseph. He said, my dad had a functional faith. It just functioned. It was just who he was. Mm. It was nothing fake, nothing pretense. Mm. My, my mom and dad were who they, they said they were, and they lived it, whether they were an accountant or a ball coach or a business owner or a pastor. It was just their faith. And he said it was so functional, it was healthy. And he said, I saw unhealthy things, but it was healthy. And I, I would say definitely, number one, the authenticity, yeah. that, that it's, not, it's not what you do, it's who you are. You know, and the second thing is, you know, we didn't talk down about the church. We didn't, um, I didn't share all the negative stuff with my kids. I didn't tell them when Jimmy and Susie were mad at me. It was irrelevant. You know, that's my work. That's just where I go. We all have problems at work. And so that's how we dealt with it. Mm. And we just separated the two. Church is the church is who we are. And it's a place we get to worship. It's not where dad works. We didn't know. We never got into, well, you know, that's where dad works. So we got to go, you know, and we were blessed that North Star was a great church and didn't demand a lot Mm. of our staff, kids, you know, you were able to be a kid. People knew who you were, but you were able to be a kid too. So I, I think a combination of those things and, and lots of prayer and just the blessings of the Lord that, because, hey, listen, I know a lot of people that have done a lot better parenting than I have that have had struggles. And so we were just, we're thankful and blessed. I would say it that way. Yeah, that's really good. It's insightful. Um, so, Mike, you obviously are leading through a pandemic as we all are wrestling through this. And I, I wanted to get your, your take. And obviously you're in a state that's starting to open up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of phasing that has to go into that. So I wanted to ask you, as you led through COVID-19, what has surprised you the most in, in this time? Yeah, I think a couple things. One is how incredibly resilient people are, you mm-hmm. know, if you would have told any of us starting this year this was going to happen, we would have we'd have gone, man, I, I don't know if we're going to make it. But our people are resilient, mm-hmm. you know. So I think our people are resilient. I think our staff, what I have learned is how um, how proud I am of our staff having a pivot on a dime. Yeah, and, right. and, and, you know, we were already online. So that, that wasn't a problem. But, but ramp that up even more to have groups online and have meetings online, all that stuff. But I think the third, it just made you proud of your community. Mm. Um, you know, I was on a call this morning with a principal and a college president in our community. The extent teachers have gone, man, the way they've loved kids through technology and drop by and, and celebrate their birthday by putting a sign in their yard and, and, you know, celebrating graduations by doing things for graduates virtually. And it, it just made you proud of your community to watch how people Responded. It's almost the higher the bar gets raised, the higher people jump. 
And I think the bar got raised on all of us. None of us saw it coming. Mm. As our buddy, Kerry Newhoff would say, it's something yeah. none of us saw coming, <laughs> yep. but it, but it came and it stopped all of us in our tracks. And we just watched people be resilient. We watched people pivot. We watched people exceed. And, and you just, you go, life didn't stop. Mm. Now, is it what we all like? No, but, but we're making it right. I mean, yeah. we're making it. So I think, you know, as, as we've led through us, what surprised us almost everything, because I didn't see any of it coming. So it's all a surprise, you know, and you're just, thankfully it's been majority other than all the nasty health stuff folks have had to walk through. We've had some friends walk through it other than the, 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 the just business church side of it. It's been amazing to watch people just do their thing. I'll go to a restaurant tonight. We're doing a Facebook prayer life prayer live event for our stat or for our church. And I pick up dinner for the little technical crew that works with me and, and all them. So I'll pick that up tonight in the restaurant. I'll go by there in a little town that we're in, man, you walk up, it looks like they've been doing it like walk up service for 20 years. Hmm. You know, they just figured it out yeah. and they made it awesome and they made it great and make you want to drop by and grab it and take it home. It's crazy. It's just, it's the resiliency of people. It's amazing. Mm, yeah, I think that's right on too. Is it, it has been interesting to watch how many people have been able to pivot, be resilient, step up and step in versus mm, mm. withdrawing. I mean, there's often, uh, you know, commentary of what's not happening, but there is a lot that is happening in the midst of it. And I wanted to ask you too, Mike, with, with you being in a state like Georgia, what is, you know, as we, we're in one of the hotbeds for the COVID-19 and I don't pretend to think that you have it all figured out yet as far yeah. as your next phases, but what are some things you you and your team are thinking about as you guys are, you know, okay, what's life going to look like now that things are starting to open back up the phasing of what it is you're going to do. Have you guys been able to start talking through that? I'm sure you have, but what, what is your, what is going into your, your thoughts around something like that? Yeah, I think there's a couple parts to this. One, uh, I think Eric Geiger came out with an article and he said reopening is going to be harder than it ever was to close it, which I completely agree. I think reopening, whatever that may look like, is going to be different. And I think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, so I think there's a couple pieces to this. One, uh, we are in those conversations of what is it going to look like? Here's the hardest part you and I are going to deal with business owners are going to deal with it's not going to be the normal we've all known mm -hmm. it's it's going to be different now how long it's going to be different i don't know but if, in 2000 i went to the gate and met every friend of mine that flew into atlanta mm. now i wait on them in the terminal by the baggage claim why because 9-11 happened and i don't get to go to the gate anymore yeah. so I think there's going to be some new normals out of this. We just don't even know what they are yet. Um, so I think everybody's ready to get back to what North star was like 10 weeks ago. It won't be like that when we get back walking in and seeing you worshiping in a mask is not going to be like seeing you worship without a mask on seeing you at the door and saying hi and not giving you a high five hug fist bump, you know, which is what you do in the South. You know, you, you, you greet my, my mom had a phrase, Joe, and the, and the phrase was you either hug it or dust it. Right. And so if it's, if it's living, you, you hug it. And so to not do that, mm -hmm. it's going to be weird. 
right? I mean, it's not going to be normal, even though we're in the same building we've all been in. So we understand it's going to take a little time. So we have plans on reopening, hopefully midsummer. Um, Georgia is moving ahead. I know some, a lot of churches are going to look at trying to do June. We're going to hold off for no other reason. I just think we need to get our feet under us a little bit. We'll hold off into a little later in the summer, I think midsummer. Um, but I think the other piece of this is we've learned a lot about online and online's not going away. We're not going to, we're not going to reopen quote unquote, our physical campus and close our online campus. Mm -hmm. Our goal is to pour more gas on the online campus and continue to grow it while reopening the current campus. So we'll basically have our staff divided in two. We'll have a reopen team and then we'll have an online experience team because online's not going anywhere. And I think we've all learned church can make it online for a while and it's not the best thing, but it ain't the worst thing. And so, you know, we want to continue Larry Osborne, a great leader in our world of church. Larry said one of the, one of the biggest mistakes churches will make is once they reopen, they'll ditch what they've learned online. And I, and I agree with him. And so we're really working hard to make sure that, we we take the goods of of what we've learned and we add it to the reopening mm-hmm. of our physical. Larry even said I was listening to him teach the other day, and he and he said he thinks it's going to be well. Our church meets online, and we have a physical campus that meets at this location, you mm-hmm. know, or locations, which I don't disagree. Yeah. You know, your reach online is pretty strong, business and and church. Well, I think you're right on too. Is is learning um, what has worked with the online piece. And I think sometimes and I, Russ and I talked about this. I feel like for a long time, it was like either or, and it was almost like, okay, it's bad if you have a strong online thing, because what are you saying about the physical meeting? Right? Like, and yep. a lot of theological things people would throw around, you know, Hebrews 10 and I get all that. But I, I think what was missed is wait a minute. Like what, what does the online provide us? And what does the physical location provide us? We need both. We're not, right. we're not arguing that they don't have value. We're, we, we need to get to the point, I think, where we can hold both of those things together and recognize, hey, you know, as we look at the trends even, I mean, you talk about people traveling and, you know, I mean, it's not a secret to you. Regular attenders now is like once a month. That's right. Yeah. And then you add on top of that, trying to reach a post-Christian community and world that we're both in. Yep. Hey, most likely they're going to just keep driving past our buildings, you know? And so how do we, how do we provide an opportunity for them to check us out? And it's not just the online service or the, the physical gathering that's going to do that. We're going to get into serving the community because I think that is what really verifies um, really our message, you know, yep. is the way we're going to engage people in the community. But I think that there's so much value in not putting an or there, but an and. Yep. I totally agree with you. Totally yeah. agree with you. Yep. Yeah. Because I think that we've, we've unnecessarily made it this or that. And it's like, yeah. And the beautiful part is your people travel. They don't have to miss church. Right. And, and they're engaged. And the, now we don't want, you know, Tommy sitting by himself on a computer for the rest of his life. <laughs> But no. people engaged in community and they're meeting as a small group watching together or they, you know, have a group that's got, man, that's, that's, that's huge. 
And I, that was the early church. So I think there's some semblance of this, the church scattered, that isn't the worst thing. And right. so, you know, we've all been reminded the church isn't buildings. We've learned that over the past nine weeks, that we are a body of people who are all over. So I think, you know, and I think as we reopen when that time comes, I think there's going to be a lot of things we're going to want to go back to that we don't need to. Mm-hmm. And we need to, we need to keep a balance on, you know what, this, this is working well the way it's going. So yeah, there's yeah, a lot of, a lot of lessons and a lot of things we don't know yet about well, opening. Yeah. And I also would say too, I think one of the things that we both would agree with is as much as the content is important and how we d- distribute that content, we would both agree the connection is the part where really it, it becomes the content actually takes on um, a life of itself in the sense that we're doing life with each other and we're, we're working yep. through that content and, and connection is really, I think the thing that we're as a leaders, we're like, okay, how does that look in this new normal? Right. How, do we, how do we leverage zoom? How do we leverage Facebook live prayer meetings? How do we do things in person? But we're realizing those limitations that are going to come with that. And, and, you know, as I think about that, I also uh, think it's important to recognize uh, the value of being in and for the community. Mm-hmm. And man, Mike, I, I mean this, but you were uh, one of the first guys I saw live this out. And North Star is one of those churches that really, in my mind, is a flagship church of saying, hey, we truly are a church that's part of the community. And you haven't said this directly to me, like in this terminology, but as, as a pastor friend say, he who stayed at a church or been at a church and he's still there for 25 years. I said, how did you do that? <laughs> I was just curious. And yeah. he, said, he said, well, as soon as I realized I wasn't just a pastor to a local church, but a local that's community it. That's it. that shifted my, my ability to stay stay the course. And I I think, man, you have modeled that so much as far as really being in and for the community. And so as we think about serving the community, I wanted to ask you, what steps would you recommend we take? And and obviously there's maybe some specific things within COVID-19, but even post that or in the in in between, whatever you want to call that period, which we don't know, right? Yeah. Uh, But what, what steps would you recommend we take when it comes to serving the community? Well, I think it all flows out of, do you love the community? Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I mean, I can find guys like you, Joe, that, that Joe, you and, and Roscoe and Russ, and we can name 15 guys yeah. that love the community they're in. So our ability to serve the community will flow out of our love for the community. Mm-hmm. And if, and you know, for a guy that just wants to, to open a business or plant a church just because they, they can, you know, that's one thing, but when you love something, you're going to spend time with it. Mm-hmm. And, and that takes time. I think, um, one of the greatest things we can do is ask the right questions. Mm-hmm. So most, so for those of you that are listening, that aren't church people, you don't understand this, but in the church world, our jobs have answers to questions people aren't asking. And so, um, so we don't do real good asking questions sometimes. And I would challenge any pastor to go ask questions. Mm. Question number. So I asked Andy Stanley this on a podcast. I said, Andy, how do you remain a servant leader? Mm. He severed. He, and he said this, this is a great quote. Never stop asking how I can help. How Mm. can I help? 
So if you go to your community, you go to your mayor, you go to your principal, you go to your police chief, you go to your school counselor, you go to uh, school social workers, and you say, hi, I'm Joe, I pastor Riverbend Church. How can we serve you guys? How can we help you? And then when they give you the answer, don't argue with them. Help them. And I think, you know, sometimes we do it if it fits our agenda. But but our agenda is their agenda, right? I mean, my agenda is to make this community the very best place it can be to live. Because if I do that, if I work with our schools to make it a great place, more people move there, more people go to our schools, uh, the teachers are happier in our schools, test scores go up, makes our community a more valuable place to live, which means there's more people that could go to your church. Hmm. But for whatever reason we get into, I'll get my church calendar together and I'll see what they've got and how it fits in. Hmm. It's not how it works. So I had a guy that just the other week say, how do y'all develop your community calendar? We don't. We let the community develop our calendar <laughs> and then we provide volunteers to meet the community's needs. So what we did in 2019 and 2020 may not be what we do in 21 and 22 because it's going to change. You said it post COVID who knows what it's going to look like. Right? Mm -hmm. So I'm on a call the other day with police chiefs and at the end of the call, one of the police chiefs said, yeah, we're, we're struggling on masks. I mean, we don't have enough protective equipment. We would get a lot of our folks in the offices back, you know, the offices have all been empty and the, the guys had been out on their patrols, but the, the city hall and public safety, you know, interior folks hadn't been there. So I'm like, y'all need mask. Yeah. Well, two years ago, they didn't need mask. That's right. They need mask now. So we get on the horn and we, we wrangle up some stuff and we provided a thousand masks for our local police officers and, and folks in public safety, because that was a need. How did I know it was a need? I was having a conversation with them. They told me, this is something, this is a need. We were, we were meeting last year with a group. So we host a lunch. All the high school principals come to my office once a month for lunch. And at the end of the conversation, my community, or we have a community pastor and he goes, what, what do y'all need? And they were just talking. And one of them said, yeah, Fridays are, Fridays are long days because we get there at 7 a.m. We have all the stuff that goes on with school. And then you got Friday night football. You're there at 11 or 12, 11 or 12 o'clock at night, which you are Pennsylvania as well. And he goes, what do y'all eat? And he said, well, usually a teacher will run out and grab a sub or something. Our administrators, there's usually eight or nine of them that stay all day. They run out and grab a sub. And he goes, could we provide dinner? y'all would provide dinner for us. Yeah, we could, we could serve your We could serve nine people dinner. Yeah, we can do that. Well, where did that come from? A conversation. And so I would just challenge, listen, ask the questions and listen. Now, you know, this, when you start, they may not tell you because they don't trust you. But over the course of time, when you've come through long enough, people begin to trust you and they'll tell you, Joe, we need, we, you know, we're hurting on bags to send fifth graders home with their school stuff because school got canceled. You got any bags? Well, then we come up with some bags that we figure it out. And so there's an art to it. And then there is truly just a, we listen and then we meet and we meet the need. And if we can't meet the need, we can't meet the need, but, but we listen, we know what the needs are because we ask the right people. And that's the key to the whole thing is asking the right questions and asking them to the right people. 
Yeah, that's so good. And I think it's, you know, really true what you said about a lot of times we don't, we don't ask the uh, right question, right? We, we ask the yeah. question that no one's really, or answer the question no one's asking or don't even ask the question, right? We're so guilty of that. And I think even in our current culture, whether it's in the church world or not, I think that Superman complex comes in big time where we think we know what you need. And so right. we, show up, we show up with things that you're like, I don't have a room to, to store clothing items or, you know, we, you know, we like think we did this big grand gesture and they're like, that's not what we needed. That's exactly right, man. You <laughs> nailed it. You nailed it. And I think close proximity to your point, like you can't serve what you don't really love. Mm. And I think loving this community, being for the community is really saying, Hey, I'm joining Jesus for those who are followers of Jesus. And even if, if you're not, I think you would agree that there's something big about uh, there's something bigger for our lives than just setting up shop and making money. And that's right. We're not anti making money, but we are saying, Hey, are you for something that's greater than just that? And, you know, Jeff Henderson, who I know is a guest on your podcast, did such a great job in his book, Know What You're For, talking about that, that we truly are raving fans of the people in our community, the people that make up uh, where we are located and, and the people who are serving in a variety of ways. We want to be, a, a, you know, leaders who say, hey, I want to go out of my way to hear what's going on. And sometimes, I, and I love this about you, Mike, it's sometimes tangible needs, but I think it's also sometimes just providing a safe space to process the leadership pain and pressure and trauma that a lot of leaders experience because you know what that's like. I mean, you've been, yeah, you nailed you, man, you nailed it. It's two parts to that. Jeff Henderson has done such a great job making articulating this in his book Four. there's another great book that we read early on. It was called irresistible influence by Robert Lewis, Mm. who was at fellowship Bible in little rock. And he, he said that's what his prayer was, that they would have irresistible influence. Those two books probably have captured that community piece better than, better than anybody's. And you were talking about the, the, the leaders. Man, leaders carry a heavy weight, yeah. and they don't have anywhere to go. So, mm-hmm. like, when we do that principal's lunch, we have every principal in our community. Mm-hmm. And I sent it out, and so this is what I sent out. It's an agenda-free, a free, <laughs> not going to cost you anything, and an agenda-free lunch. All you got to do is tell us how we can serve you and pray for you. And, buddy, you learn a lot, and every leader carries a weight. Mm-hmm. So, during this, the very first week this happened, I gathered nine leaders from North Star, from business to government to public safety to school. Um, and these were superintendents, state legislators, mayors, police chiefs, business owner. And I, and I said, listen, on Friday, Fridays at 9 a.m., we're going to do a thing called the North Star Leadership Collaborative. I'm going to do a call. The call can last for an hour. It can last for 10 minutes. It doesn't matter to me. I want you, though, to know as a leader, we got your back. I'm telling you, every week those folks join, and they got a bazillion other places to be. And here's why they join, because somebody's carrying the weight with them. And it's not just me. They're carrying it with each other. And so, man, don't don't underestimate your influence in a community. That's what I would tell you. And you you mentioned Chick-fil-A. Well, everybody's at 40-50% of their budget. Chick-fil-A is running at 90%, if not topping last year's income. Do you know why? Because they give 
all the time to schools, to businesses, to churches. And you know what people are doing for them? They're giving mm-hmm. back yeah. and they're going right. to drive throughs and they're wrapped around because they're Chick-fil-A. You know, it's going to be great, but they they spend their year giving stuff away. Yeah. So it's a perfect example, man. Well, perfect well, example. Well, I'm seeing that in real time too with my brother, John, his yep. uh, store is like down the road here. And he said to me out of the whole time that that store has been open, get this. They had their busiest month ever last month. That crazy. Means no breakfast, no dining room, draft through only, um, you know, the mobile app, the, you know, curbside. And it's, but I, I, I was thinking about that and it goes to your point. He is so for the community. That's right. And, and even in this time, he's been feeding people who are on the front lines and finding ways to, to creatively uh, serve people in their time of need and saying, Hey, how, how can we tangibly walk with you in this time? And I think, man, that, I think that goes to exactly what you're talking about. So Mike, you talked about this call. So tell, yeah. So, so every week you do it at nine o'clock, nine o'clock and you just invite people in and yeah. So it's the same, it's the same group. We have them every week and they get on. I say, tell me how the question I ask is how are you doing as a leader? How are you doing? And how can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And do you have, so the, the gov, the uh, state legislator may go, Hey, I just got this from the governor's office. You guys may want to know the police chief may say the emergency management situation just said this. You guys may want to know this. The Wellstar health systems guy may go, Hey, here's what we're seeing on ventilators and blah, 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 whatever. That's probably a third of the call. Yeah. The rest of the call is, prayer and needs. And I'll share a short devotion and I pray over them. I mean, it's a 30 minute call and we will probably end it, you know, sometime this summer, it's been a crisis call, yeah. but I'm telling you, I, so you know, cause I, one week I said, Hey guys, y'all want to go ahead and stop doing it? They're like, no, we <laughs> love doing it. You know, and, and I learned it. I, I love it because man, these guys are phenomenal leaders. So I learned leadership by watching them lead through it. Cause we know crisis just shows leadership. It doesn't produce it. It shows it. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's awesome, man. It's been a cool deal. It's been a really neat deal. And a lot of them didn't even know each other. They did not even know who each other was. So it's been neat to introduce them and get, get that connection going. Well, it's been, it's been cool to even hear, you know, obviously when we talk and then I, I follow you on social media and I love, I mean, I just love how much you're an encourager to the encourager like that. I mean, you, you really live that out. So as you think about, you know, serving the community um, and you somewhat answered this already. So if you have anything else, feel free to do this. Uh, But you know, how do you determine how and where to serve? Because obviously there are a lot of needs. Sure. Sure. So, so, you know, how do, how do you measure out like your yeses and your noes um, in the midst of the opportunities that are there? Yeah. And so for us, we, we do our best to serve through local, right? Local cities, our Ackworth, Kennesaw, our two local municipalities and Cobb counties, our county, through, serve through those and through the school systems in those. And so we work through existing leaders to serve. That is the majority. Now you'll have one offs that will go do this or go do that. That's not part of that, but that's how, and I would even say for somebody that that's never done this before, take the school closest to your church. 
and just serve that school. Now, we've been at this for 23 years. It started at North Cobb High School. And then it grew from North Cobb to a school down the road. And it grew from a school down the road to another school. And so all of a sudden, over the course of 23 years, you've, you've built up an arsenal of, of things that you do to serve. And, the, and I, I think the other piece of this is, is that you, you know, your church, that's just your culture. People are used to doing that. They don't, signing up to serve is not a big deal. People are normally doing that. So the question's going to be, what's it going to look like when we, when we start back, you know, we've been serving through food banks and giving to food yeah. banks and a lot of that. So what's post COVID going to look like? I have no idea. Yeah. I, I really don't know. I don't know what this new normal, maybe it's going to be more job stuff because of the economy, the way it's, you know, so many people out of work and looking for jobs. Maybe it's something through that. I really don't know what the post is going to look like, but we'll figure it out because we're going to ask the right questions Yeah, and we're going to ask and we will, it, here's the great, nobody knows. So we're all, we're, we may have started North Star 23 years ago, but the, but the church that started two months ago is just as good as we are. Because <laughs> I mean, really, because you know, we're, the question is how agile are we? Are we going to keep doing what we've always done? Or are we going to pivot and do something new to meet the new needs? So, mm-hmm. I don't know what the needs are. I just know they'll be there and they'll yeah, and be there I, differently. Yeah. And I think you're right on though, asking the right questions and being aware. And that happens through relationships too, right? So That's right. Well, that call that you're on and then even figuring out like the, the job stuff or, you know, I know for us, you know, we've had a, a massive uh, opportunity to, to do food distributions. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think we don't know how it's all going to play, play it, you know, pan out long-term, but I think being okay with that tension of not knowing and figuring out and then trying That's right. that may not work quote unquote. And when I say it may not work because we've never done it before, yeah. you know, it may not be exactly like what we had hoped it would be. But I think sometimes you've got to try to fire uh, <laughs> Jim Collins said, oh, well, some bullets before you get to the cannonball. <laughs> That's exactly right. He's exactly right too. He's exactly right. right. So That's like exactly right. So as you think about that, I, you know, I think for all of us, don't be paralyzed with the uncertainty, but rather be honest about, I don't know. Yeah. I yeah. love how Mike said that. I don't know, <laughs> like, no. and, but, but we're going to figure it out together. We're going to ask the right questions. We're going to lean into the uncertainty of it. And one of the things about you, Mike, is you're really about spiritual leadership. Right. And this happens in a lot of different ways. And I'm going to name some just for people to make sure they follow what you're all uh, mm-hmm. doing. But, it, you know, you have a podcast, uh, Lunch with a Leader, uh, which is an incredible podcast. Uh, you uh, do a, a leadership monthly where you have people coming in. Um, you do stuff with, you know, principals, um, people in, um, you know, the police force, uh, chiefs, all these different uh, roles and, and realms. But one of the things I know about you just over the years of, of doing, doing life and leadership with you is you value spiritual leadership. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, how would you define spiritual leadership? Yeah. Phenomenal question. Uh, spiritual leadership to me is people learning to lead with their faith out in front. And that's, that's my passion is helping people and, and, and seeing people, whether they're the head football coach at a local high school or a small business owner or a principal or a 
state legislator or a doctor, whoever they are, know that faith is more than what you believe. It really does influence how you lead. And mm. so, man, I, I got turned on to it back in the 2013, 2014 through the Blackaby organization, Henry and Richard Blackaby. They, they put on a weekend, um, a three-day workshop on spiritual leadership coaching. It was mm. one of the best things I ever did because I, I'm a big leadership guy. And I would have always said, I agree with John Maxwell, leadership is influence. But I think spiritual leadership is godly influence. It is that leading with my faith out in front and being that godly influence and believing that God put you where he put you for a reason bigger than you. Mm. And when you discover that, all of a sudden, man, you lead differently. And so, you know, my, my passion is to raise the spiritual temperature of our community. And I want, I want principals and football coaches and police chiefs and, and all these other people. I want their spiritual temperature to be hot because they're going to affect more lives than I ever will. So if I can lead them and, and help raise that with them, man, and they raise it, then we'll change a community like that. So wow. that's, where, that's where it comes from for me. Yeah, and I think, I think even in a time like this, one of the reasons, and I talked to Mike about this offline, is – uh, the reason, one of the reasons I'm having uh, so many people, n- not just who are outside the area, but also who I would call spiritual leaders, and they practice spiritual leadership, is because I think right now, more than ever, spiritual leadership is needed. Amen. Uh, it's, yep. it, it's always needed, but I think there's an awareness. I think whether you look at the, the mental health issues going on right now, the emotional health uh, issues, uh, the tangible needs that people are having people are overwhelmed with the uncertainty and not that we have all the answers. I think that's part of spiritual leadership is is not pretending you have all the answers you have to, but, but to lead with your faith out in front, which I I love that because we really do want to raise the the temperature. You, you want to bring an awareness of, of who this God is and what he has for your life, but also for the lives of those you're influencing and impacting that they were made on purpose and for purpose. And that changes things, man. When I, Oh man, like it changes the way you approach your relationships and your work and the, the people you're working with, man, it changes so much. It does. And you know, you think about it for what you and I do, people expect to see faith, mm-hmm. right? You go to a church, you go to Riverbend. Well, you hope the, the pastor <laughs> knows the Lord and is leading spiritually North star, same way, but you go to a local public high school or a business. You don't expect to see that. And all of a sudden, the, the manager or your, or your owner treats you in a Christ-like way. What? Where did that come from, right? You, because bright light, light always shows in the, brightest, in the darkest places, yeah. right? So the darker it is, the brighter the light is. Mm-hmm. And so, man, when we lead with our faith, and that's why I love, you know, when you see a professional ball player who yeah. loves the Lord all of a sudden, man, they make a difference because they're a, a bright light in a dark place. Mm-hmm. And they lead with their faith out front. Tony Dungy, perfect example. Yeah. Why Dabo Sweeney, these guys. But why are we talking about Because they lead with their faith out in front. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's – and I, I believe it's the highest call of leadership, is spiritual leadership. I really do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So good. So I wanted to ask you, like, as you think about spiritual leadership, and you may have answered this already, but how has that impacted the way you lead, uh, Mike? 
Yeah, it transformed me. And, and I'll tell you why. It gave me clarity. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of years, I mean, this was 2013, 2014, when I really began to understand spiritual leadership. And, and I'm still a novice at it, but trying to learn, um, man, it just gave me a purpose. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I was doing pastoring the way I thought I had to do it. I I didn't know. And man, it was like, when I got this, it illuminated all the ways that I could lead that I had never thought about before. You know, I would have told you in 2011, I meet with principals. That's what I would have told you. I would have told you, Oh yeah, I know all the police chiefs and the mayors and business. I mean, I was super involved. I never thought God put me there to pour into them so they could pour into there. I, I wouldn't have told you that. Mm-hmm. I would have told you I pour into them if they go to North Star, mm-hmm. but not just because they're in the community. Mm-hmm. And when I got this, and you said it earlier, another pastor said it, and I agree with him 100%. When I began to see I'm pastoring a community yeah. and North Star is within that community, but I'm a pastor, I believe God put me there for business owners and people that don't even go to church yet. Mm-hmm. And man, that changed, it changed everything for me. It changed everything with how I lead, how I work, how I serve. It was a, it, it was a transformational deal because I wasn't the same when I got done. In fact, I'd rearranged how I lead at North star because of it. I, we moved staff around and, and did some things and, and moved a guy into an executive pastor role to pick up some duties I already had within the staff. So I had more time to lead others out of the community. And it was, it was transformational for me. It really was. Yeah. And do you think one of the challenges to get there was, you know, was there a barrier in the sense of, Hey, all right, I have to take care of this thing. Yeah. I, and in this thing, I mean, how, how, how would you describe, I mean, I, I have my own thinking on it. Yeah. I've had to wrestle with that too. Um, yeah. but I wanted to get your, your take on that. So I, I, there's three letters and I think they play into both And the, the letters are E G O hmm. ego. <laughs> and so ego internally, what's it going to look like? Hmm. Because I'm admitting there's some things I'm not as good at as somebody else is. Hmm. So I don't want to admit that. Hmm. And I knew Anybody familiar with John Maxwell, I had become a lid in some ways internally because I wanted to get out in the community and serve, but yet I had a lot of stuff internally I had to take care of. Therefore, I didn't do either really well. Hmm. And I knew we had a guy on our staff that felt passionate about it, but it's getting my ego aside to Hmm. go, yeah, he'll be better at that than me. I need to turn him loose and move his role and change some things. The second, second part of the ego is I don't want to fail. So what if I reach out to all these community leaders and they're not interested? Mm. What if I act like, okay, you know, I really feel like um, I want to help you. And would you want to go on a spiritual leadership journey with me, which is how all this stuff started and nobody comes. My Mm. ego took a hit Mm. because now, now um, I just made myself look stupid and don't even go to North star. And so North Star people are sort of used to you looking stupid, but, <laughs> but other people in the community may not be. So it was ego. It was 100% ego and getting past my ego 
And we all know, I think it was Ken Blanchard said, ego really stands for edging God out. And I, mm. I agree with him. And, and for a lot of ways, I didn't, I was afraid to lead a new way and to try something new because I mean, there are just not a lot of guys doing it this way. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a roadmap of going, Oh, I'm going to call so-and-so and they're doing, I don't know anybody that does this mm. like this. And like I felt called to do it right or wrong. So how I felt called to do it. And so, um, yeah, ego, man, that was my deal. And still is, mm. it still mm. is right. Because somebody starts doing something better than you and people are applauding them for it. Can you handle it? Mm. Not your ego. It's that, it's that old selfish desire within you that goes, Oh, I want everybody to be applauded me, not them. So, and that's ego is what it is. So yeah, it was a battle battle then battle now. Yeah. Well, no, I think that for every leader listening, I think ego, you know, uh, it comes at us, you know, it comes at us hard. I was watching, uh, it's funny that you said that I was watching guardian of the galaxy volumes, volume two. <laughs> You've ever seen that in the, I uh, missed that one, but I, yeah. I'm glad to know you watched it. <laughs> yeah. Well but in it, there's a guy who looks outwardly like he's got it going on. He looks like, um, he, he's the real deal. He's really powerful, really strong, but his name's ego. Mm, and, how about that? And ego, even though outwardly he has it going on, his real goal is death and destruction. Mm. And he, he destroys lives, life forms and all these things because he needs their energy. And as I was thinking about uh, that picture of what you just said, I think that's what happens in us, right? We, we can look uh, strong and, and powerful and, and maybe we, we are, <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, that's actually not the thing that defines success. Right. Sure. And, and spiritual leadership would say, Hey, success is doing exactly what God has for me to do the way he has me to do it when he asked me to do it yep. and to lean in. And I will at times, you know, have that internal battle and even outwardly people are going to look at that and maybe they're not going to agree with that. Maybe they're not going to like it. Maybe they're not going to understand. Uh, maybe someone is doing it better. That's okay. Yep. Because at the end of the day, it's really about, uh, following what God has for me and joining him on this adventure, you know, and partnering with him in that way to understand that I have something by his grace to offer others. And I want to use my life to not just be building up my thing. And I think even in the church world, we have to be so careful of this because I, I, I think it's dangerous to be like, Hey, not only, you know, admitting what we have a limitation on or a lid about, but even knowing how that works to say, Hey, are we building a little kingdom, you know, like a capital yep. or lowercase K or are we building God's kingdom? And that doesn't mean that they have to be mutually exclusive where we uh, are caring about the church in the community. But I think sometimes we would say, Oh, it's about the church. And I'm, you know, we will kind of use good, colorful language. Yeah. Yeah. Bible verses, you know, we, we package it just right. But then all of a sudden we're looking at our community and we're like, we're not engaging in that. And I, I think that there's a, a danger to make it again, either, or I think it yep. has to be both, but I think sometimes because of trying to build something and man, it's hard, it's hard to make a shift like that because you're pouring your life into this and, and you've had to lead one way for a certain amount of time, but then you have to pivot and shift and say, wait a minute, not that it's part of your growth. It's part of all of our growth. That's Mine's right. Included. Like you, you, you're waking up 
to these other parts that God has for you. And I remember specifically, Mike, when you went to that retreat and being a, a part of a pastor's um, roundtable with that's you, right, that's right. going yeah. through that. And, and it's been cool to watch the journey, though, over these last several years. Um, so as, as you think about that, I, I wanted to um, ask you, and you, you've answered this a bit, but how, how are you seeking in these days and the days ahead to serve different community leaders? And I know you talked about calls and being available. Are there anything, is there anything else you would add to that? I, I would say be proactive. Um, you know, for me, I, I, it's, it's, it would take an hour to probably unpack it all, but, um, you know, I went to some key people. I asked God, I prayed and I said, God, I want you to lay some people in my heart. And I invited them to go on a spiritual leadership journey with me in a small group. So I started, I started two business leaders. I started one and then added to it. But uh, of guys that I met with, I meet with once a month. We read through the book, Spiritual Leadership mm-hmm. by Henry and Richard Blackaby. Um, and man, it is so fulfilling. And the one thing you learn about leaders, you don't ever have to ask them to do their work. They do their work. They show up prepared. And I've watched all of us be changed by it. And then I had a group of principals, elementary principals that said, if I do the work getting the group together, would you lead us in the journey? Well, sure. I'd love to. So we do it once a month. And right now I'm taking a group of football coaches. Why? Because they're free. I'm taking a group of football coaches on a leadership journey, you know, that they don't have time for normally, but they do now. They're head football coaches in high schools. So I would say be available and be proactive mm-hmm. and, and pray and seek the Lord. You can't do everything. So, and I've had people ask me this. So Mike, you're telling me you meet with this group, this group. Yeah. Well, I was having breakfast with people anyways. So now instead of having breakfast with one, I had breakfast with 12. Yeah. I just, it's maximizing my time. Mm-hmm. And that is an, and, and a lot of people don't do breakfast. I do because I like to eat and, and I like, I like getting started early. I'm an early bird. And so it works for my day and works for a lot of leaders days. So I would just say, be proactive, be prayerful and, and be confident, man, be confident in the call that God's put your life. Now, if you're in your community and and you're two months in, you may not be ready to do that yet. Mm -hmm. I was 20, almost 20 years at North star or close when this started right around 20 years. And I had lived in the community 26 years. So I'd been around for a while. A lot of these leaders were officers. Now they're police chiefs. They were teachers. Now they're principals. I've known them all these years. So that made it a little easier. I'm more of a contemporary now than, than the new guy in town, but still ask and, and, start small, you know, start small, but just do what it takes to serve. And that means it's probably not going to be comfortable for you. It's going to make you uncomfortable. And that's good. That makes you, that's why you know you're growing when you're uncomfortable. (laughs) That's so good, man. Well, Mike, I wanted to ask you one one final question. How can people connect with you? Uh, Tell them all the things and ways in which they can uh, find your podcast, anything about yeah. North Yeah, I would, I would love for you to share that with them. Well, I, oh, I appreciate that. So I'm on Twitter, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at, at Mike Lynch, L-I-N-C-H. Um, I'm on Instagram the least, Twitter the most, Facebook, 
you know, if I copy over to Facebook, I, it'll, it'll end up on there. I also show up on random TikTok videos in the background of my daughter and my wife dancing and me walking into camera shot. So but I won't give you that. I won't give you the phrase on that. Um, no, I, I, have a, I do have a, I do have a low budget podcast that's called Lynch L I N C H Lynch with a leader where we interview what we say are America's greatest leaders and find out how they lead with their faith out in front. And so, you know, we will have people from, from football legends like Bill Curry and Vince Dooley here in Georgia to uh, current NFL players up in the North. Uh, we had Trey Burton when he was with the Eagles. I can't remember who Trey's with now, but uh, we had Trey Burton and Pat DeMarco with the Bills to um, Andy Stanley, who's a great leadership guy too. But we just have random people from all walks of life that all share their story of how they lead with their faith out in front. And so, um, man, if I can ever serve you anyway, don't ever hesitate to, to reach out. It's a joy for me to watch you, Joe, live this out. And it's one of my great joys. Ike and I were talking about the other day, one of our, both of our heroes and mentors, you know, the joy that comes from seeing people that you've known growing into their leadership. And so, man, it's, it's a blast watching. And I would close by saying this, we're all figuring it out. Nobody knows everybody. We're all on a journey, man. And nobody figured it out yet, but we're all trying. And every day we walk up and we walk a little bit and we'll sit down, sleep the night, get up the next day and walk a little bit. And the ones that walk the same direction, the longest will be the ones that are most thankful. And if I, I believe as a believer, if I get up and walk towards the Lord every day, I'll build a life of faithfulness. And if we do that, I think we'll like where we end up. Oh man, that's so good. It reminds me when you said that too, Mike, it reminds me of Jim Collins when he talks about the 20 mile March mm -hmm. and he talks about not going beyond the 20 miles and not stopping before you get to the 20 miles, but just good. the 20 mile March is this picture of, Hey, every day choosing that 20 mile March path that allows you to sustain what it is you've been called to. And I, I think that's a great picture of, of servant leadership and also faithfulness that, Hey, we're, we're all trying to figure it out and we can get better right. each day um, as we walk closer and closer with the Lord and what he has for us in this 20 mile March. Mike, this has been so, so good. I cannot wait to see your TikTok um, account go live. <laughs> It will not be my account. I promise you that. It will not be my account. <laughs> no, but seriously, Mike, I, I really appreciate you being on the podcast, man. And I, I know I've said this throughout, but I'm really, really grateful uh, for your, your leadership, North Star. I, really, the Riverbend Community Church story is so much um, uh, an overflow of what North Star is and has been. Uh, we, we are family and we're grateful for the gift Amen. that you guys have been to us so thank you again for thank all you, that buddy. and uh, this has been so fun man so thanks for being on the podcast thank you fella thanks for joining us for the vision for the valley podcast we'd love to connect with you and to hear from you you can find us on social media at vision for the valley podcast or you can email us at vision for the valley podcast at gmail.com 